1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this uh, cloudy, gloomy Wednesday. That's what we'll go with here in the Auburn Opelika area. Well, sit back, relax, and uh, be ready because it is the Jacob and Carter show for the next four hours here on ESPN 106.7. You've got us for on the line from 2 to 4, our normal time slot, and then... With the drive from 4 to 6, Bill Cameron is out of town, and Dan Peck is also out of town. And so that means it's the Jacob Goins and Carter Bird show on ESPN all afternoon long. So sit tight. It's going to be us for the next four hours. But this is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Carter, happy Wednesday, man.
2: Man, it's good to be here. The weather looks kind of, looks like it might turn bad on us. Is uh, it supposed to get bad? I haven't looked at the weather at all. Some some dark clouds kind of rolling in as I was driving up to the studio. Yeah,
1: it's gotten all of a sudden kind kind of cloudy and not as nice outside. I'm about to pull the weather up. I have no idea. Couldn't tell you. I haven't looked. Um... Maybe a chance of rain between now and 3 o'clock, but I don't think anything is supposed to be, like, serious or rolling in or anything. So, hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. We have a great show on tap for you today. Uh, We're going to talk some Auburn basketball. We're going to talk college basketball in general after what was a fantastic night in college basketball last night. We'll preview Auburn on the road tonight at LSU. We have Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 at 2.30. He is back from California. We'll talk to him uh, about Georgia wrapping up the Georgia football season, talk to him about the surprise that is Georgia basketball. Uh, And then at 3.30, kind of a wrench in the normal plans, Joey Blackwell will join us at Uh 3.30. He was not with us Monday because we were off, so he will join us at three thirty. I got confirmation on that today, so he will join us at three thirty. So now we we have a full lineup today here on yeah, on the we line. Four so four
2: guests on the uh, drive last night. Wow, that is that's heavy. Busy, yeah, that's very busy. But and we had we had one of them stay on for thirty minutes, so it was literally there were three like. Four minutes <laughs> wow we did.
1: wow well there you go hey whatever you got to do right but hey we love to hear from you at any time today 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us that number again 334-321-1390 and want to start by talking about college basketball last night because it was awesome man there were some great matchups going into the night there were some great games last night in college basketball and if you have thoughts on those we'd love again to hear from you 334-321-1390 as the show goes on we'll talk Auburn on the road at LSU tonight and we we've already mentioned the significance of that game but we will get into it some more in just a little bit but Man, you look at you look at college basketball last night. It started off with number 2 Kansas on the road at number 13 Kansas State. Game was back and forth the entire time. Kansas State took a pretty decent lead. Kansas fought back late in the first half. It was back and forth in the second half. Teams go to overtime and Kansas State comes out victorious, 83 82, and you could see the energy there in Manhattan. Uh, they were pumped to beat Kansas last night at home.
2: You would have thought that Jalen Wilson, his uh, 38.9 rebound performance, that would have been the, the performance of the night because uh, it was unbelievable. He, when he Every time Kansas needed a big bucket, they went to him. You had Grady Dick um, foul out there as the game went along there, I think in maybe the early portion of yeah, overtime. it was. Uh, but how about this one? Off the bench, former Auburn commit Desi Sills. Balled out goes last off, night. off. Averaging, what, 8.6 points per game this yeah. year for Kansas State? A really good Kansas State team. Goes off for 24 off the bench. I think that was key. Uh, Keontae Johnson. Do you remember who that is?
1: Yeah, he's a huge storyline. He was the Florida player that, that collapsed, collapsed and yeah. almost died. Yeah, literally was almost, literally almost died and yeah. fought back and, and is playing.
2: Things like I've seen yeah. on a basketball court.
1: It was it was horrible
2: and good for it was him. A few That's years a, ago, that and has a chance to be a really awesome story. It already is out of, out of the, the the Big Twelve. I'm saying is this Kansas State team mm-hmm. continues yep. if they just. If they finish on the top two or three of that conference, and they make a deep tournament run. Yeah, which they are a very really gr- fun story for everybody, especially yeah. considering. I mean, the the eerily similar nature that the Keontae Johnson situation has to the Damar Hamlin mm-hmm. si- situation a few weeks ago with the Bills. Um, I think, I think uh, the country could use a positive storyline of somebody overcoming a situation like that and returning to elite status at the sport that they were playing. I think that would be a really, really cool story. So that's something I'm going to keep my eye on the rest of this season.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great story. And Keontae Johnson, you can see the talent level that he has. Uh, he was young and, and sort of raw a little bit when he was at Florida, when he was playing. And then obviously you just mentioned it, the, the extremely scary health situation and people were concerned, rightfully so, about the young man keeping his life. Nevertheless, come back and play high-level Division I college basketball, but he, here he is. He basically
2: is. didn't play basketball for two years.
1: Yeah, and here he is dropping 24 points on the number 2 team in the country at home, and Kansas State gets their biggest win of the year. This rivalry is its very intense. It's not as loud as a lot of the other ones, but it's very big in that state where –
2: These two teams. Are you saying the rivalry itself is not as loud or the environment at the game? No, I'm saying the rivalry itself is not. Like, if you were to ask
1: somebody in New York, they probably don't understand. It's people in Alabama. Like, a lot of people around the country probably don't know that Kansas and Kansas State and college basketball is as big of a rivalry as it is but I think a lot of people learned that last night with just how fun this game was. Kansas State fans rushed the floor. You had their head coach yes, grab should. the microphone, and they, he's leading the KSU chants. Like, and he's saying, expect yeah. to win. Yeah, that isn't that stuff. awesome, man? He, that, that That is college basketball. That image right there last night in Manhattan, Kansas, that is what makes college basketball so much fun.
2: I love it. I absolutely friend of mine, love it. Uh, and I guess mentor in sports media, has... Uh, in conversations with him, has listed him as the next potential Kansas or Kentucky head coach. Really interesting. Which would be fascinating. Okay. Fascinating. Um, the that game was so much fun. The environment was unbelievable. One of the best environments you'll see in college basketball. That Kansas State crowd was ready to roll. Kansas State showed that they belong uh, at the top of that conference. Now it's going to be a different story. I imagine it's going to be a lot more difficult once they go to Lawrence and mm-hmm. play Kansas, I, just because Allen Fieldhouse is about as tough of a place <laughs> to win a game uh, in the country. I'm not I'm, yes. not. I'm not going to say Rupp's up there right now because Kentucky at times. Uh, well, one, you you don't get the right to call yourself one of the toughest places to play in the country right now when you lose to South Carolina at home. True. Uh, And then you look like you did in the first half against Georgia, which we will talk about here in a little bit. But uh, this game was so much fun to watch. It was so intense. Um, There was – I don't know if you caught this, but there was a moment right at the end of regulation where – Kansas State gets a steal, fast break the other way, had a layup, doesn't fall. Guys wanted a foul, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And they talked about coming back from the next break. How uh, his name's Jerome Tang, right? In that in that Kansas State's bas- yeah. basketball coach's name. He was um, his team was sitting there, kind of dejected before overtime and Jerome Tang really like he he kind of rallied the troops he circled the wagons he said hey guys like circled the forget wagons that. i like that forget that let's go win this thing and sure enough they did there were some scary moments where you thought kansas was Got to take it over. Well, I in think the a final huge couple minutes, uh, yeah. and then in overtime too.
1: A huge storyline was Kansas had three guys fouled out by overtime. Like yeah. halfway through overtime, they had three of their main players fouled out, and they still almost won the game. So Kansas is a very good basketball yet, team.
2: It still doesn't feel like this game was as had as the fingerprints of the ref on it as much as that Georgia. Oh,
1: Kentucky dude. game. Well, let's it get felt in. Like
2: every possession got stuck.
1: Man, that game. That game. We knew it was going to be good because of how sneaky Georgia has been in the SEC and how Georgia's up and going. down Kentucky has been. What a basketball game that was last night in the SEC. Georgia on the road in Rupp, and they make that an absolute ball game. Where, unfortunately, you're right, officiating got in the way it was so and. Ready. Kentucky so look Oscar Shiboy had a literally had a career game last night.
2: Yeah, I think he did something that what like has happened three times in the last 20 something years. He and had, it's like Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, it's like Kevin Durant, Blake Griffin and somebody else at UNC. I I'm drawing a blank on who it maybe Bryce Johnson I want to say. Okay, maybe. Um, I don't know. And he goes for 37 24. He had three steals. And I know he had at least one block. I'd be shocked. He only had one block. How about that? Yeah, 37 that, that, points. For me, that might be the most surprising thing Yeah, how dominant he was in this game. Well,
1: his defense has been horrible all yes. season long. It's been really bad for Oscar Sheebway But returning National Player of the Year goes for, like you said, 37 points, 24 rebounds. That is unheard of. That is ridiculous, right? That is a stat line that, will not be repeated very often. And yet, Kentucky had to fight this Georgia team. And Kentucky had to come back... At Ran home,
2: late. I will say that
1: yes, but look at the halftime. I mean, at half, Georgia was dominating this game. They were oh, at yeah. forty-two, they thirty-four,
2: like the better team in the first half.
1: Kentucky couldn't guard them. Kentucky couldn't stop them. They couldn't do anything. Georgia's guards were having a field day with Kentucky on defense. And Terry then
2: Roberts and Kario Okendo are really, really good. Uh, funny note of this game was. Carl Ravich apparently didn't get the memo that Terry Roberts is a senior transfer <laughs> from Bradley because he kept saying, and he's just a freshman. He's just a freshman. Nope, he's a senior, but that's
1: okay. Georgia, again, they punch Kentucky in the mouth early. They are up by uh, eight at the half, and then Kentucky comes out and they, they turn it around. They're able to respond. They outscored Georgia 51-29 to in the second half, and they end up winning 85-71. to A couple of takeaways from this, and then we'll get into some of the other results. Kentucky is beatable. They're very beatable. If Oscar Sheboy doesn't go off for a career game, they lose. Georgia's sneaky good, and I don't think that loss on the road is going to look as bad for Auburn in the next month or so because Georgia is a really sneaky, talented basketball team. Mike White doing great things in Athens in year one. He completely changed the narrative of that program, especially defensively where they were one of the worst teams in defense last year. Now in some areas, they're top ten in the country Georgia is a tournament team right
2: now. They look like a much better a much better coached team than they have been. There was an inbounds play. It was after like a issue with the clock where one second on the shot clock, Georgia's inbounding under its own basket and uh you saw a really well-drawn up play I thought because you saw Two violent cuts by Georgia players out of the paint, kind of drawing their guys a little bit with them, and then you saw Okendo mm-hmm. cut down the baseline and get uh, the inbounds pass and lay it in um, by Obi Ta- or not Obi Toppin Jacob Toppin for what I thought was a really well drawn up play to get a bucket. Like those are the kind of moments that make me think. Maybe Georgia basketball is not in awful hands right now.
1: Georgia is going to be sneaky good. It, well, they may not sneak up on anybody anymore. They didn't win last night, but they looked really good. And um, I think Mike White's doing big things. Kentucky gets the win at home. Looking at some other scores from last night in college basketball, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the results from last night. 3 3 one Alabama goes on the road at Vanderbilt. And they were up by 10 at the half. And then all of a sudden, late in the second half, Vanderbilt made this a basketball game. The score doesn't show it because Alabama wins by 12. This was a four-point game at one point. Like, the, Vanderbilt was in this game late at their home place, and then Alabama did Alabama things. Vanderbilt did their job defensively. You held Alabama under 80. You held them to 36 points in the first half. Vanderbilt should be proud of their efforts defensively. They just couldn't score.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what. I don't, watching this game, because I had it up in in my den while I was sitting there uh, working on some stuff. I wasn't impressed with Alabama, really. I no. wasn't. I, like, I didn't look at that team and say, oh, wow, that's clearly the best team in the SEC. I just thought Vanderbilt couldn't do anything. I thought Vanderbilt looked bad offensively. And, and that was my takeaway more than it was Alabama just kind of kept them enough at arm's length, and, and just went on the road and handled their business. I thought if that Alabama team, if they perform like that against five or six different teams in this conference, Alabama probably loses that game on the road.
1: I'm with you, and I don't think Alabama did anything crazy impressive last night, but I think a couple of things played into that. You're on the road in the SEC, which is always tough. You're on the road in college basketball, which is always tough then obviously the looming news and stuff going on in Tuscaloosa with this Alabama basketball program right now, that had a lot to do with it, I'm sure. And I don't know if you heard Jerry Stackhouse's press conference after the game where he said, he basically was like, "I I just can't believe that they played. He said, I cannot believe that they came in here and played this basketball game and give all the credit in the world to them. This is what Jerry Stackhouse said. He was like, give all the credit in the world to them. He said, I can't believe they came in here and played. He said, "And you know what? I probably hurt my own guys because before the game, he basically said, I told them, just be thankful for that we get the chance to play. Be thankful that we're here and have this opportunity. He said he was like a Debbie Downer for this against his team before they played because they just couldn't believe Alabama showed up and was ready to play. And, um, uh, and of course, Alabama wins. They go on the road. They get an SEC win. Uh, but there's no doubt that the news had some effect on their performance last night.
2: Well, I mean, you wouldn't have noticed it from the beginning because they kind of jumped on Vandy right right off the
1: right which is impressive the like they tip. they still walked in there and played halfway decent i mean, I mean you get a double 13, digit road they win they were
2: up 13-3 in the first 5 minutes and 47 seconds mm-hmm. it was the last 15 minutes of the game where alabama really got stagnant and allowed vanderbilt to it really what didn't even feel like vanderbilt was Doing all that much to scrap back in it, it just felt like Alabama was so stagnant that Vanderbilt, just over time, slowly, it was like watching a glacier move for me. Just they slowly closed in, and Alabama handled business late, scored a bunch of points. There was, I mean, it was a six point game with 43 seconds left. Uh, And then you see Alabama (laughs) score. 10 points in the last 43 seconds off free throws. Yep. Uh, I mean, I thought it was a big win for Alabama for this team, but this team does look a little bit human to me. And I know if there's, awkward, there's an awkward situation around it. It's really uncomfortable. It's weird. Um, I know that they – Nate Oates said after the game, it was emotional time after the game or uh, on Sunday – but then he said, "Like, well, they they had to get back after it on Monday." He said that they had a good right. practice. The post game interview with the SEC Network was, weird yeah, it and was awkward. weird. Yeah, um, yeah. It,
1: it, but again, it's
2: just it's one of those situations, right? Some
1: of the details
2: that Nate Oates, um, I guess, put out there were odd yeah he
1: was he was letting it fly i mean he was kind of just before the game yeah he was very open but hey i mean look if you're an alabama fan of alabama basketball i wouldn't be too concerned you go on the road you get a double digit win on the road in the sec during the week you can't really complain a whole lot in my book and there's just so much going on right now in Tuscaloosa but when we come back we'll talk more results from last night in college basketball then at 2 30 Jordan Hill of dogs 247 will join us talking all things Georgia athletics all that coming up here on the Wednesday edition of on the line
0: you are on the line on ESPN 106.7 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Back inside the studio here at ESPN 1067. Albert Opa, like a sports leader for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Gold with Carter Bird, going through the results in college basketball last night as it was a very entertaining night around the world of college hoops. Iowa State, number 12. They host number seven, Texas. They get it done at home 78 67. Um, I'll be honest, I did not watch this game. It was on ESPN Plus, and there were other games, and I just didn't really focus on it. But. It's a game that you said Iowa State was going to win. I think you said that off the air, but you did say Iowa State was going to win, Carter, so congrats on your, your minor They're victory good. there. They They're are good. good. They're very was... good. They're 5-1 and one in Big 12 play.
2: You know, the, one of the, the big storylines in this game was, uh, I think it was Tyrese Hunter, the the Texas guard, was on Iowa State last season. Mm-hmm. And uh, the student section was there early, Um they were very loud when Tyrese Hunter's name was announced. The entire student section threw Monopoly money up in the air. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was it. great. That's it was, awesome. It was good. College um, basketball, man. Absolutely love it. So there was, there yeah. was one, one, which is outrageous, there was one student section sign that compared Tyrese Hunter to Judas, which I thought was oh my a little a little extreme.
1: That's yeah. I mean, <laughs> toxic, man, but hey, it's what you get when you go on the road in college basketball. Iowa State beats Texas last night. Uh, number nine, Tennessee. They go on the road. They handle business in the hump at Mississippi State. They went seventy to fifty nine. How about Clemson? They lose their first conference game after starting 7-0. They're number 19 in the country. They go on the road to Wake
2: Forest and fall to the Demon Deacons by 10, 87-77. I mean, it was going to happen at some point. It was a matter of time. Uh, lightning in the bottle here for, what, the first six games of conference play? This one, I think they had a 2-0 lead, and I think that was the only point Clemson led. In this really? Game.
1: Interesting. Well... It, you, like you said it was going to happen eventually but it was an impressive start for clemson and i still think they are yeah, I mean, a pretty they, solid they got basketball conference team.
2: wins at georgia tech nc state at home at virginia tech at a solid pit team uh louisville and then duke
1: <laughs> at home oh god it, isn't it crazy that we live in a world of college basketball where we just skip over a louisville game because they're so bad they're horrible it's so bad the acc is not good have you looked at it recently have you looked at the conference of the ACC in basketball? I it's not, not good.
2: Not really, Because, I mean, UNC is not that good. Duke's not that good. Uh, I like, mean,
1: Clemson is legitimately the best team in the ACC. Yeah. Like, there's nobody in that conference right now. There's a lot of okay teams, maybe, but there's nobody great in that conference. Duke and North Carolina are unranked. That should tell yeah. you all you need to know.
2: I mean, they're both middle of the conference. I mean, they're... You got UNC, who's two games back of Clemson. You got Duke, who is two and a half games back and doesn't have the tiebreaker there as of right now.
1: Yeah. So uh, ACC kind of down this year. I think the Big 12 is showing they are probably the best conference in basketball right now. Yeah. Uh, they I, are I agree with that. leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in that category. Oh, miss. <sighs> what? The,
2: the Big 12 has. Six teams in the top 25, which feels like a ton in Mm -hmm. college basketball.
1: Yeah, it is, but they're good, man. And those Big 12 in basketball right now is really, really good. I'm interested to see how the SEC Big 12 Challenge goes in a couple of weeks.
2: Big 10's kind of down this year?
1: Yes, very much so. I would say the
2: Big 10 is pretty down. I would say the SEC feels down a little bit.
1: Which game was it last night that they had a conversation about that during the broadcast didn't they didn't they have a conversation about i think there was a question posed and i i think it was with Carl ravage and jimmy dykes when they talked about when you look at the sec right now when you've seen some of these games go other ways right you have teams like kentucky who are down and georgia that are up and stuff like that is it a step back for the sec have they taken a step down or is it just more balanced this year
2: yeah i don't know i think it's i think it's um I feel the SEC is probably a little bit down. I think that, well, rather, I think there's fewer really good teams than we're typically used to. And I think the middle and the bottom of the SEC has kind of risen.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I think
2: you've got Ole Miss and South Carolina, to me, appear to be the two worst teams in the conference. Who played last night? Yes, and South Carolina yet again cannot defend its home court. It's really going to be my favorite storyline of the year. They made yeah. I mean They lose by 12
1: at home last night.
2: They are 6 and 3 on the year at home. I'm really curious to see who they actually beat at home.
1: Yeah, I mean, they might not. I don't know the rest of their SEC games at home, but You want something that's going to just
2: confuse you to no end? Of course. Second game of the year. Who do you think South Carolina beat at home? Clemson. Clemson, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they beat
1: Clemson at home? Yeah. Wow. Good for them. Good for them, man. They're not good, but good for them. <laughs> Look, the SEC is confusing. It's tough. It's weird, and that's why we love it. But we got to get to another break. When we come back, Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 will join us talking all things Georgia football and basketball. You don't want to miss it.
0: On the Line with Jacob Gowens and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 minutes into our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, it's been a couple of weeks, but welcoming in Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 Jordan, have you made it back to the state of Georgia?
3: Luckily, yes. Uh, <laughs> the last time, last time we tried to talk, I was sitting at a uh, at a gate desk trying to talk my way back east, and it took a little bit, but wound up happening. And then luckily, yeah, uh, we are back in the state of
1: Georgia. Man, well, I, I hate to, I, we hated to hear that you were caught up in that debacle of a of a flying experience of everybody that went to the national championship game. But despite all of that. How was the trip for you to the National Championship watching Georgia win back-to-back national titles?
3: You know, it was a good time. It was fun being out west and uh, getting to see SoFi Stadium, which I got to admit, guys, I was a little underwhelmed. I mean, the the stadium's not covered and, you know, it doesn't rain a lot in California, <laughs> but uh, it, it it did rain that night and I know there were fans that got wet. I'm sure nobody thought they needed to bring, uh, you know, a poncho or anything like that, but Um, it was a really nice stadium and it was a great experience getting to be there uh, for the national championship game that was the second national title i've ever covered i also covered alabama and georgia a few years ago Um, so it was a fun experience and other than a little bit of travel uh, hiccups you know nothing crazy and it was a good time over
2: yeah jordan i'll be honest i mean i feel like we we build up these stadiums everywhere and then once you actually go see them a lot of times they kind of underwhelm like i've been to the formerly University of Phoenix Stadium. I'll be honest, I think the Rose Bowl is overrated too. And uh, they, there's there's a few of them that, that don't really live up to the hype, but it doesn't shock me that SoFi was, was kind of that way. What were your biggest takeaways from this game? Just watching Georgia. Did it say more about how dominant Georgia was or maybe how we had overrated the Big 12 with... Uh, the fact that Georgia was able to win this game by 58?
3: Well, I think it was more of just it showed you the talent mismatch. And, and we had kind of noticed it at the media day, the few days beforehand. You know, TCU comes in first. We kind of get a look at them, their entire team. And Georgia comes in, and, and you couldn't help but notice, uh, Georgia's got a, a pretty significant size advantage. I mean, that, that was pretty obvious. And, you know, there had been a lot of talk going into that game about, you know, had Georgia, Ohio State really sort of been – Uh, the national championship game in that whoever won that, were they going to just be able to walk? And I wasn't of that belief. I mean, I really thought TCU would be able to make plays. I, I picked Georgia by, I think, 10 points, really more on the basis that I didn't believe TCU's defense could slow Georgia down. And, I mean, you just saw a Georgia team that was hungry, and you saw a team that was ready to play, and it was kind of Telling after the game, a Bennett, talking about that win, you know, he said, we missed some shots. He said, we left a few plays, too, that you know, weren't called that we felt really good about. So, I mean, um, it was a situation. The only thing I could compare it to once that game started was some of the high school games, and especially early in, like, the playoffs. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about my time covering uh, high school football in Alabama. You know, those first, second-round games, you can just tell, like, all right, this one's not going to be close. Um, and that was for the flip national championship. So, you know, a lot of credit. Due to Georgia, a lot of credit to what they had done to got, to get to that point. Um, and, and you know, by the, by the time it was halftime, I had probably ninety percent of my stories written, just waiting to, to finish some stat lines and, and put in the final score.
1: Man, that's pretty nice when you're uh, when you get to have the story written by halftime. I writ re- I wrote some stories in college, and that was always nice when you could just wrap it up and be done. Get a couple quotes and just plug and chug and be done with it, huh?
3: Oh, absolutely. And you don't expect that in a moment like that. Now that was. A very different situation compared to the Peach Bowl, where uh, I don't even know if what I published when that kick went left, if it even made any sense. I went <laughs> back and read it later, and was like, "That I'm not going to win an award for uh, for the story that went up in that moment."
1: Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven, he joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line coming out of 2022, Georgia repeats as national champions coming into 2023. What's the biggest storyline in your opinion, again, coming out of 2022 and into 2023 as Georgia tries to repeat for the third time in a row?
3: Well, the biggest question is very obviously going to be quarterbacks. some Bennett's moving on. The question is who is going to replace him. Looks very much like it will be a three-man race. Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton. You know, To this point, it really seems like Carson Beck is the leader in the clubhouse. He's the oldest of the three guys. He was the backup this year. He played a decent amount, um, got to step into a few of those games, including that national championship game. But I think it's very obvious it's going to be wide open, and we've heard good things about all three quarterbacks. You know, I'm anticipating that to be a competition that goes through the spring. And I think it's going to be a situation. The way Georgia's season sets up their schedule, uh, other than South Carolina, really their first four games are really, really easy in 2023. Um, I can see this competition going into the season, and it really sets up well for Georgia if they so choose to get a few of these guys involved. But um, the story is definitely quarterback. There's other positions that they're going to have guys need to step up, Um, you know, wide receiver. They, they reloaded through the portal, but you know there was news today that A.D. Mitchell is going in the portal, so that's a pretty significant loss. Uh, defense, you've got some veterans that you've got to have guys step up and replace Nolan Smith, Jalen Carter, Chris Smith, Keeley Ringo. Uh, but the focus is definitely going to be on quarterback. Um, I'm already preparing for how many quarterback stories I'm going to write. Uh, it's going to be the talk once spring practice opens in March, and that's definitely not going to change by the time we get to the season.
2: So, so, Jordan, you were talking about the quarterback race, and was it surprising at all that, that Georgia didn't look at anybody in the portal, or are they comfortable with the guys on the roster? And then with, with a couple guys who've been there for a few years, are we going to expect maybe one of these Georgia quarterbacks to hit the portal if they don't win the job this spring?
3: Well, I think that's really one of the storylines to watch is, you know, whoever is perceived as the loser, do they move on? And, um, you know, I, I think it's too soon to tell because too, we may come out of spring, not really knowing. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you're one of these quarterbacks, do you say, well, um, I don't feel good about where I am and I'm just going to go ahead and move on. Or do you say, look, this thing's still wide open. Maybe I can work my way in because again, you know, Georgia's only got three scholarship quarterbacks at this point. You know, they don't sign anybody. They went hard after Arch Manning, don't wind up landing him. He signs with Texas. And, you know, they, they don't have a lot of wiggle room as far as scholarship guys. So um, I think, you know, maybe if someone does go in, maybe they do try to add somebody and probably more just in terms of depth, which makes it harder uh, because, you know, guys want to start. If they're in the portal, they're going to try to find a starting job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at this point, I would expect probably after the spring, someone does go into the portal if they feel like they're not going to be QB one. But at the same time, this could be a competition that goes well into the fall, and maybe all three guys say, "Hey, it's my best uh, in my best interest to just stay here and try to win this thing."
1: Speaking with Jordan Hill of Dogs Two Four Seven, who joins us every Wednesday here on the show. After Georgia wins back-to-back national championships, there was celebration, there was excitement, there was a lot of uh, high energy around Athens, and then, uh, unfortunately, just a, a very short time after that, a horrible tragedy in Georgia, in Athens, a uh, car crash that kills a Georgia football player and a Georgia football staffer. What, what's just been the, the feeling after this just horrible tragedy that happened in Athens?
3: You know it's been absolutely heartbreaking and and the thing that you know you can't really say enough is just how quickly it changed the situation. The car crash happens I think about two thirty two forty five Sunday morning, so just hours after the celebration and um cost the lives of Devin Willick, uh, who was only twenty years old. an offensive lineman who played a pretty good bit in that 2022 season, then Chandler LaCroix, who was only 24 years old. She was a recruiting staffer at Georgia. And, you know, again, it just really shook not only the football program but also the Athens community and even the, the fans outside of Athens. You know, it's been pretty surreal these last few days. You know, you've seen a lot of support offered by fans. and uh, I believe today uh, back in Tacoa, which is where Chandler LaCroix is from, I think they were having a service. Still waiting to hear about Devin Willick when services will be held for him, but um, just a very tragic situation. You think about two young lives that were lost, uh, two people that were coming off one of the best days as far as you know, in what they did on a day to day basis, getting to celebrate that championship. Um, very hard for everybody involved. I um, you know a lot of thoughts and prayers have been extended, and I would encourage everyone who feels uh, the same to do, to pass those along as well because it's a very tough time. For their teammates, for their coaches, for their coworkers, and obviously puts a lot of things in perspective outside of you know we talk a lot about sports, but sometimes kind of have to put that on the back burner and think about the people affected in times like this.
2: Yeah, Jordan. I guess there's never really a great way to transition out of a tragic accident like that, but uh, turning the the attention to the hardwood. Uh, Georgia basketball has been a little bit of a surprise this season. Thirteen and five, three and two in conference play. Uh, for a while there, gave Kentucky a run for its money uh, in Rupp Arena last night. At, you can make the argument for sure that they looked like the better team in the first half. What have you seen out of this team this year, and uh, what is the ceiling of what this team can do this season?
3: Yeah, yeah, they wind up scoring 42 points in that first half against Kentucky, which tied Georgia's season high in the first half this season. And then Oscar Sheway just came alive, and, and they didn't have any answer for him. And, you know, I like where things sit. You know, I actually put this on our message board earlier. People were talking about the projections going forward. And, and I think it's feasible that this team gets the 19 wins. I think that'd be right around nine and nine in conference play. Um, I don't know that that would be good enough to make the NCAA tournament, but that probably puts them in decent shape to make the NIT. You consider where this program was in Tom Crean's last season; they win six games overall, they only win one conference game. I think Mike White is due a ton of credit for what they've been able to accomplish. Got some big tests ahead. You know, uh, they play Vanderbilt. They host Vanderbilt on Saturday afternoon. And uh, the Vanderbilt team that beat Arkansas not that long ago. So um, nothing's guaranteed at this point. But again, like you said, 13 and 5, um, they've gotten off to a good start. They won on the road against Ole Miss last Saturday. Um, there's a lot to like. You know, again, I don't think this is a team that's going to wind up, um, you know, being one of the top three, four teams in the SEC. But first year, the foundation's definitely been laid. Um, they've got a chance to go. Um, and be right around 500 I think in SEC play which considering what they inherited and the amount of work they've put in since getting here I think the staff has due a ton of credit.
1: Jordan it seems to me that the biggest difference in what we were seeing with Georgia under Tom Crean versus what we're seeing now with Mike White is the defensive intensity and just the defensive skill set um, on that end of the floor that's what sticks out to me.
3: Absolutely. And it was really striking when we first talked to Mike White going through the offseason and in the lead up to the season. he, He emphasized, we're building this thing on defense. And, you know, not saying they weren't putting time in offense, but basically, look, we know if we want to compete, it's going to come on the defensive side. And it's been night and day how good the defense has been this year compared to last year. And at times, you know, the offense has kind of sputtered. I think you saw some of that last night, really early in that second half when Kentucky got going. The defense had played pretty well on the whole uh, and kept guys like Oscar Shibway from really making an impact in the first half. And it was like Kentucky got rolling and, and Georgia just couldn't do anything and really relied a lot on Karyo Aquindo and Terry Roberts, which are two really good guards. But when they were kind of you know not making plays or if they had to sit for a little bit, Terry Roberts got in foul trouble. There just wasn't really anyone else on the floor they could count on to get them points. So. Again, a lot of credit due to what they've done on defense. It's not day different. And it's a big reason why Georgia's won some of the games they've won so far this season.
2: Jordan, speaking of Terry Roberts, how can we get the message to Carl Ravitch that he's not a freshman, he's actually a transfer senior?
3: You know, I, I was going to make a, uh, a drinking game or something out of that because it was kind of carrying on for a bit. And then I think maybe he tried to spin it that, oh, he's you know, new to the team, so he's yeah. kind of a freshman. Of the team. I'm not sure what was going on there, but I, I'm sure Mike White would be thrilled if he could get the NCAA to believe he was a freshman. He, he's a senior. This is his first year at Georgia. Um, But they are going to enjoy as much time as they can get with Terry Roberts on the floor.
1: Yeah, as a uh, play-by-play announcer myself, getting told that during the middle of the game would be extremely tough because there's no correct way to handle that except just admit that you have screwed up and got bad information, (laughs) and you just got to roll with it, and you just got to accept it. Uh, But yes, Terry Roberts is not a freshman. He is a senior, but very talented to go along with what is a very skilled Georgia basketball team. Quickly, before we let you go, the next four games for Georgia, home for Vanderbilt, you mentioned that. One on the road at Tennessee, home for South Carolina, on the road at Auburn. What does Georgia need to do in these next four games uh, to continue what is a pretty good season for them so far?
3: Well, I think it really just goes back to Terry Robertson, Kerry Oquendo. I mean, the games that they've won, they've just said, Look, we really trust our guards and we're going to let them go to work. And that's not down to downplay some of the forwards. I think that Braylon Bridges has played well at times. M.A. Moncrief has shown improvement, and I really like what I've seen from Frank Anslem here lately, but the the talent on this team as far as offense goes is with these guards. When these guys are playing well, Georgia's got a chance to win. We've seen the defensive pressure and what they've been able to bring on that uh, side of the ball uh, as an entire team, but the shooting, it, it really stops and it starts and stops with these two guards. So those guys have to continue to play well, they got to be consistent. They got to be guys they can count on to score because a lot of tough tests along the way. I mean, I even think that South Carolina game at home, uh, South Carolina is a team that can come up and, and surprise people having beaten Kentucky earlier this season. So, real test ahead. And I think we're going to get a better sense of where Georgia stacks up as far as in the SEC, but what they're able to do in these next four games.
1: Jordan hill of dogs 247 he joins us every Wednesday here on on the line man it's good to hear from you again and glad that you were finally able to get back from the west coast and we appreciate your time every single week coming on the show let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all your great work
3: absolutely dogs 247.com and on Twitter at Jordan davis Hill and at dogs 247 so fully into basketball but still plenty of stuff to talk about on the football side and Just never a dull moment, guys, for what's going on this time
1: of year. Yeah, we fully understand in this state as well, man. It's always great to hear from you. We'll talk to you next week, all right?
3: Sounds great, guys.
1: That is Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 He joins us every Wednesday here on On the Line talking all things Georgia athletics. We'll get to our final break here in hour number one. Come back, wrap up some basketball talk, and in hour number two, we'll start previewing Auburn at LSU tonight. All that coming up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line.
0: are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: Wrapping up our number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 for coming on, talking all things Georgia football, since we had not had the chance to talk to him about Georgia's national championship victory. Uh, um, unfortunately, uh, talked about the just the tragic event over in Athens that really just shook the entire college football and, and sports world. Uh, and then talked a little basketball as well because, again, Georgia is sneaky good folks I mean I mean they they may not have a great record by the end of this thing but just looking at their schedule coming up it's tough I mean there's no doubt about it they have Vanderbilt at home this Saturday I think they take care of business there then in the midweek they have to go to Tennessee then they come home for South Carolina then they go on the road at Auburn On the road at Texas A&M, who is, again, sneaky good. Then they have Ole Miss at home, Kentucky at home, LSU at home, at Alabama, at Arkansas, home for Missouri, home for Florida, at South Carolina. So it's kind of a streaky schedule for Georgia, but they've got so much talent, man. And Mike White has done wonders with that basketball team.
2: I'm not going to say that they're, like, the most talented team in the conference. I mean, I think they're they're...
1: more talented than they've been in a while. Uh, As a team. they've
2: had, like... They've had some studs. Well, but they yeah, had they not had not Anthony played. Edwards, who was they, unbelievable, but I'm Anthony saying as Edwards a team. wasn't the only guy on that team that was really talented. I just think that th- this team is better coached and is actually playing as a team. I think we've seen some of the Tom Crean years, uh, some of the years here since Bruce has been at Auburn. The Georgia basketball team has struggled to be an actual team. Uh, there was a lot of, I mean, in that Anthony Edwards year, there was a lot of of ISO poor shot selection by Anthony Edwards rather than trying to move the basketball and uh, get some good looks now I just think they've got a more well-rounded bunch if you're asking me
1: yeah well again uh, talk to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 if you missed any of that interview be sure you go and catch up with the podcast after today's show again we talked football and basketball talking about Georgia but Coming up in the second hour, uh, obviously going to talk Auburn basketball. They're on the road at LSU tonight in a game that uh, Carter, you and I have talked about a couple of times as a very very important game for the Tigers on the road tonight at LSU in Baton Rouge, 6 o'clock on ESPN2. We'll talk about that in hour number two. Joey Blackwell, who normally joins us on Mondays. He will join us today since we were off on Monday. Uh, He will join us talking all things Alabama. Uh, He is with uh, Bama Central. So we'll talk to him uh, about where Alabama is recruiting. Transfer portal-wise, we'll talk Alabama basketball. Uh, we'll talk everything going on Alabama athletics. So that's sort of what is coming up in hour number two. But quickly, Carter, the biggest result from college basketball last night in your mind?
2: Oh, last night it has to be the, the Kansas State victory just because of what that means. Now you've got the Big 12 teams. There's a bunch of really good ones up at the top, obviously, but they're for they're kind of looking like the SEC last year, where the top teams in the conference hold serve at home, and it's about who can scrape out the the who can scrape out more road victories because it's it looks like that kind of year where where it's really hard to win games uh, at the top teams in the conference. I mean Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State, all ten and O at home texas 11-1 and
1: big 12 it's really good and they've got a lot of great teams we'll talk more college basketball auburn on the road at lsu tonight we'll talk about it coming up in hour number two You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well in the Auburn Opelika area as it has been on and off raining over the past hour or so. But uh, hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. If you missed any of our number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center and it'll be commercial free right there or just wherever you get your podcast just search for on the line in the first hour talked a lot of college basketball where there were some big results last night we talked to Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about Georgia football and basketball and uh, yeah that's kind of how the first hour went so if you missed any of that go and catch up with the podcast you don't want to miss it here in hour number two uh, we're going to talk some of the bigger college football storylines then we'll get into some Auburn basketball preview on the road at LSU tonight and then at 3.30 we'll be talking with Joey Blackwell our usual Monday guest Uh, he will join us at 3.30 to talk all things Alabama athletics he writes for BamaCentral.com so that's what's coming up here in hour number two phone lines are open until In though we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 that number again 334-321-1390 jacob goins carter bird with you on espn 1067 carter let's jump into some of these uh college football storylines and i've got to start i have to start with what's going on in colorado right now because (sighs) twitter in the college football fan base are having an absolute field day with Colorado because they just really can't believe what they're seeing come out of that program. It's just a video after video of questionable coaching from Deion Sanders and assistant coaches. Have you seen the most recent one?
2: I I saw two different videos that came out yesterday that uh, were were interesting. One was the... um, I'm pretty sure he says that they're like he's talking to the team and he's we're bringing in new guys, we're bringing in better guys and then just like finish it off with everybody bow your heads and let's pray mm-hmm. together which yeah. just, he said we're basically w- we're
1: building and then yeah everybody bow your heads and he led a massive team <laughs> prayer which th- we're not getting into I the I, I
2: don't have an issue with that. I just right. think it was a weird sequence. Yes,
1: well there was there were a lot of people who were upset about that part of it but we're not getting into I saw that, that argument, right? But One time
2: uh, guest on the show, yeah.
1: Which, yeah. Which I mean, hey, if that's what you think, that's cool. I mean, it's again, we're not here to get into a religion argument by any means. It's just one of those videos that got a lot of a lot of flack and a lot of controversy and a lot of traffic, I guess you could say, from from Twitter and college football fans. But then the one that really got everybody going was. The other video that came out, and it was an assistant coach. I don't know which coach it was. It looks
2: like it has to be the strength coach or something. Uh,
1: I didn't read into it super heavy to see who exactly it was, but it's a video where he is giving some sort of speech, and basically he says, when I say stand, you stand type of thing, and that's exactly what they do. So he says, stand and they, yeah. So he says that and they all stand like attention almost. And then he tells them to sit down and they sit down and then he does it again. And they stand up real quick and in unison. And then he tells them to sit down again. It was just really weird looking. And I don't know if it's weird and got the reaction because most of the time, these sorts of videos don't come out of locker rooms and team meetings like that. Those are things I believe should not be exposed to the public but I guess Colorado's okay with it because they're allowing people to be in there filming, media or whoever it may well, be. Uh, so
2: it's, it's, it's Deion Sanders' like crew. It's the, it's the Amazon crew for his
1: show. So they must be fine with it and not care. Oh, yeah. So I don't know, man. I, and again, I don't know if that's why this is getting so much traffic and just so much uh, hate, really. I mean, I didn't really see anybody in support of that video. I'll be completely honest.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I just think it was it's goofy and weird and I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal personally. I think that uh a lot's being made of it. Uh it is what it is. I think it'll be uh I'm trying I'm trying to find the name of the coach. Coach Brew is what they're calling him. Uh I found it on the Barstool Colorado account, which I'm trying to figure out who Coach Brew is.
1: Again, I, Yeah, I don't know what coach it was. I'm with you. Maybe strength and conditioning. Tim Brewster, the tight ends coach. Tight ends coach. Okay, interesting. Well, it, it was just a weird video. And if you haven't seen it, you can find it. Just go on Google or Twitter and just search for it. It'll pop up, I promise. It was a little weird, but at the same time, it wasn't anything. When I watched it originally, I wasn't like, ew, what the heck is this? Why are they doing that? That's unacceptable. That's ridiculous. I wasn't like that. I I, I was like, Okay, he's he's getting their attention. He's whatever you want to say, um, but there was a lot of people upset with it, and they were like, "What in the world's happening in Colorado?" This is why this and somebody I forget who it was they tweeted it and they said, "This is the difference between college football and professional football because." That type of thing is not going to happen at the professional level because you're dealing the difference of college kids and grown adults, which I think is very fair. Um, but I don't know. It got a lot of a lot of hate last night. It was floating around Twitter
2: pretty heavily. I All didn't right. think too much into it, but it riled some people up, man. So we know that they've gone out and they, they've gotten 23 transfers on top of their their recruiting class last season. Colorado went one and eleven. 1-8 and eight in conference play. This year, they open at TCU. Uh, they play Nebraska and Matt Rule in week two. They go to Oregon, USC at home, at Arizona State, at UCLA, Oregon State on the schedule, and at Utah. Right now.
1: I see one or two wins on that schedule.
2: Well, I mean, there's there's other games on there. Like, at Washington State's going to be tough. Arizona at home. Could be interesting. Stanford at home, I think they probably win that. They actually, Colorado State and Stanford are the two games on there. I actually feel confident about them winning. Everything else, I think, is up in the air because I think the other teams were a lot better than they were this past year. Yeah. Right now, the over under win total for Colorado is five and a half. Under. I'm taking under. under I'm taking under by a mile. Yeah. Under. Uh, maybe three wins. Maybe. You are beating TCU. Nebraska at home. That's gonna be interesting. That's gonna be those fun. Are two teams trying to revive themselves, two teams that won what championships in the late eighties and the nineties. Um I think Nebraska probably has a higher ceiling as a program itself. Dion probably elevates that ceiling a little bit too, uh, for Colorado. I mean, there's a stretch where this thing craters and goes really bad in year one, and we are we are watching an Amazon show for Coach Prime as they go 3 and 9, 4 and 8 and I can't imagine he's going to be a ton of fun to be around
1: on that no. show. No. Now, will he change the narrative of that program? Yeah, probably. Will he have more talent there than there has been in the past? Yes, yes absolutely. Will it be enough talent to actually compete on a consistent basis? I don't know we're going to find out, and we're also going to find out if Deion Sanders is actually a good football coach because he went to Jackson State and brought in unbelievable talent for that program and just beat up on everybody because they had the best players doesn't I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm just waiting for him to prove that he is actually a good coach. We're going to find out we're absolutely going to find out
2: in yeah, my opinion. I mean, I, I think that this is shout out to Mel Tucker, who in the pandemic season. Um, went four and two and realized, Holy cow, this program is not gonna be able to do that again. Let me get up out of here and go to Michigan State. Uh this program and then get paid. This program I don't think has been to if you don't count the twenty twenty season, I don't think it's been to a bowl game in a long time. I think the they actually we went six and six in twenty seventeen and still did not go to to a bowl game. Hmm interesting I, why. I wonder if they got invited and turned it down 2016 they had a good year they went 10 and 4 they actually played in the Pac-12 championship game where they got beat with a sledgehammer by Washington uh and then they went to the Alamo Bowl and got beat with a sledgehammer Did you say
1: 2016 that was the yes. that was Washington's playoff year
2: yeah and then got beat with a sledgehammer by Oklahoma state in their bowl game
1: nice Love it. Well, we'll see. I wanted to at least mention that because that was the video floating around Twitter last night that really got people riled up. And then the other news in college football today is the news coming out of TCU that has some of their fans a little questionable right now. They're planning on hiring Arkansas's, um, Arkansas's offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles to fill their offensive coordinator role.
2: I think Kendall Bryles is a really good offensive coordinator. I think he is he was handcuffed at Arkansas in terms of what he could do, probably the mindset of the coach um, and the talent you have relative to the other teams in the SEC West because whether you like it or not, in the SEC West, Arkansas has the fifth most talent. I think that's fair to say, maybe sixth, depending on where you put on this, yeah. Like, it's an uphill battle for them. Every single matchup, except for Mississippi State. And it always will be. Yeah. I mean, I'm, well, I mean, yeah. They they have a lot of money in that state from uh, Tyson Foods, Jerry Jones, Walmart. All of that is based out of, what, Arkansas. And so, of course, if they wanted to just go huge on NIL, they probably could. Whether Jerry wants to do that or wants to... Uh, continue spending money on the Cowboys, probably will be interesting.
1: I mean, I think we know where his priorities lie. <laughs> I mean, if we're just being honest. But, no, you're right. I mean, Arkansas Arkansas and the SEC West, it's always going to be an uphill battle for talent. It's always going to be an uphill battle for wins. They're it's never always never going
2: to have more talent than Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, or Auburn. Never. Never. I agree. Never. And that's what I'm saying.
1: It's always going to be tough. And now... Arkansas is losing okay they're losing their offensive coordinator who I agree I think is solid um I don't know exactly how good he is just because he didn't get to do a whole lot at Arkansas TCU fans are not super excited about it though from what I've
2: seen uh yeah I think that there's a lot of people connecting Kendall Bryles um to the Baylor stuff because of who his dad was um and that's going to follow him around his entire career um I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I think he's a really good offensive mind. It's very interesting because, you know, a month ago uh, when there was a buzz about him potentially moving to different schools, uh, there was some some buzz out there about maybe Alabama being interested at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Then he posted the the picture of him and K.J. Jefferson, and it said, let's run it back. And now he's not. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> just kidding, changed my mind. Other news that, that I find very interesting. There's some transfer quarterback stuff, there's some quarterback stuff in college football. Jaden Rashada officially files yes. for his release from his National Letter of Intent at Florida. That's been a one of the weirdest recruiting sagas I can remember. It's been wild. Um, the fact that that collective at Florida allegedly offered him $13 million for... An 18 year old for a four star quarterback that's like the sixth or seventh best quarterback in this class. I mean, that's that's Arch Manning money. That's that's Nico Aya Maleva, or how, I don't know how to pronounce his last name yet, the California quarterback that oh, came to yeah. Tennessee. I, um, I can't confidently say it, so I'm not going to. <laughs> Walker, that's I'm Walker at. Howard, the LSU transfer quarterback going to Ole Miss. Yeah. I am so confused about what Lane Kiffin is doing. Because he has Jackson Dart. Yes, you may need to add a guy. Walker Howard might be a future add. But we know Lane Kiffin's after Spencer Sanders. We know he's after Mike Wright, the Vanderbilt quarterback. And from what I've, some of the things I've heard, if they could take all three, they would take all three. Does Lane Kiffin hate Jackson Dart that much? He might. It's what I, it seems like. It, I, it's confusing times in Oxford. I keep pointing back to, if you remember when... Plumley and Corral were there. Mm-hmm. There was almost a daily picture on Lane Kiffin's social media of himself and Plumley, or a video of him taking Corral and Plumley to hot yoga in in Oxford. You haven't seen any of that with Jackson Dart, which makes me wonder: like, does Lane Kiffin just hate that dude? Who
1: knows, man? It's weird in Oxford right now. I think a lot of Ole Miss fans are in that boat as well of what in the world is Lane Kiffin doing. But we got to get to our first break here in hour number two. When we come back, we're going to preview Auburn at LSU tonight in basketball. What does Auburn need to do to go on the road and get a much-needed win in the SEC, a tough win in the SEC tonight in the midweek? We'll talk about it on the other side. This is the Wednesday edition of On The Line.
0: You are on the line.
1: Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. Jacob Goins, Carter Byrd with you on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Reminder, coming up at 3.30, we're going to talk with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, our usual Monday guest. Uh, We were not here due to uh, MLK Day, so he is now joining us on Wednesday. So we appreciate him adjusting for us. We'll talk to him coming up in just a few minutes. But Carter, we have not gotten into it yet. Auburn on the road tonight. In the SEC at a very talented and sneaky LSU team. I've been saying sneaky a lot because there's teams in the SEC that you didn't expect to be good, and they're not great, but they can beat you at any given time. LSU is one of those teams. Perhaps you might
2: be overrating LSU a little bit.
1: I still think they're
2: solid. I think they're a solid team. I think that they... Uh, Their conference hit, record's not good they've hit some struggles here recently I think if you if you go look at the the schedule this year for them I don't think it's very challenging before conference play. I think I've looked at that before yeah it's not um, good, but look this this LSU team, the most fascinating thing of this game for me, and I think uh Justin Ferguson, friend of the show uh wrote a column on this. There is a lot of familiarity between this LSU team and Janai Broom because half of this LSU team is from Murray State. The mm-hmm. head coach is from Murray State. Janai Broom has played them a lot. KJ Williams, they're kind of stretch five big man. Um, he's been a stud this year. He he's eighteen point seven point two rebounds, six foot ten five man for for this LSU team. He's a an unbelievable three point shooter, by the way. He is shooting the three at forty five point one percent for the year as wow. the center for as this a big LSU man. Team. That's impressive. I he didn't has know that. He hit multiple threes in seven of his last ten games, according to Ferg. Uh, this this LSU team can shoot the three. They are they hit the three at about a thirty four point nine percent clip on the year. But when you look at this, uh, I think Nathan King had a tweet about it yesterday. You've seen this. K.J. Williams have big games matching up against Broom. It's It's been one of the more interesting things that, that I saw uh, of the past couple days when Bruce was talking about the, that matchup, Jani Broom versus K.J. Williams. K.J. Williams last year, and their three matchups, averaged 16.7 points and 10.3 rebounds against Jani Broom in the three matchups. Jani, 20 points. 10.3 rebounds, a little bit. But like he's, I think he was. Um, it, I think it was basically 14 points, 11 rebounds, 14 points, 12 rebounds, mm-hmm. and then of course he went off for 30 and eight in the conference cha- uh, conference tournament in the in their conference last season. Um, going to be a really fun matchup down low with with those guys. I think that this game will be fun. Uh, I'm going to continue to talk about it because it's it's my favorite just dumb thing to talk about this LSU team or last year's Murray State team, you're going to see one of the funnier proportioned players in all of college basketball for LSU. Their point guard, uh, Hannibal, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, he is built like a safety. Yes, enormous. Trey Hannibal, that's what I thought his name Trey, was. Trey, that's right. He is. He has the biggest arms I've ever seen on a college point guard. He is looks like an upside down triangle out on the court. <laughs> um, he is really big in the upper body. He's oh listed at six foot two, two fifteen, but like he will have the biggest arms on the court. Yeah, and it's just something you'd never see in college basketball. And I just it makes me laugh a little bit every time I see it.
1: I look at this LSU team, and again, they're one and four in conference play. They opened up SEC play after a weak non conference schedule uh, that included a loss to that Kansas State team we talked about earlier. They opened up SEC play with a win over Arkansas. And at the time, everybody was like, holy smokes, this is a huge win for LSU. That was a top 10 Arkansas team at the time. Everybody was like, what a great start to SEC play for LSU to take down a top 10 Arkansas team. We now know that Arkansas is not quite what we thought they were going to be due to injuries to two of their four best players. We've talked about that quite a bit. So that win has lost a little bit of its validity and then they go 0-4 after that. They've lost every game since in conference play. They have lost at Kentucky, at Texas A&M, home for Florida, and at Alabama. We know what the Crimson Tide did to them over the weekend. It was embarrassing. Um, how does LSU respond from that performance on Saturday coming into tonight's game? Here's the two things. I look at this game as I look at how does LSU respond after getting beat by 50 on your home floor. I look at that, or by 40, excuse me, sorry, they got beat by 40, 106 to 66, same difference. You get beat by, or you're actually, at Alabama, but I whatever. Think that
2: there's a 10-point difference there. Uh, I'm just saying.
1: I think mentally it's <laughs> about the same. If I get beat by 40 or 50, I don't think well, I'm really noticing. One
2: of, they just got absolutely jumped on like I have not seen a team not named South Carolina. It was
1: bad. But how does LSU respond tonight after that performance against Alabama, against the buzzsaw that they ran into, but I look at Auburn. This tonight's game is all about Auburn. Auburn yep. is better than LSU. Auburn's more talented than LSU. I got I say this all the time. Auburn is better coached than LSU. Auburn has a better coach than LSU. But you are on the road in the SEC in the midweek. You're a four and a half point favorite. Six o'clock tip on ESPN two this is all about Auburn tonight can Auburn defend like they have been because LSU doesn't score a ton they only average uh, 79 or 70 points a game right so they're just right around that 70 point mark nothing crazy how does Auburn defend tonight how does Auburn defend the paint tonight because teams now know how to score on Auburn it's get inside the colored area on the floor. And you're going to get points, and you're going to get to the free throw line. That's what's important. And can Auburn get it going again offensively? Obviously, Chris Moore was a big part of that. Um, you said yesterday that maybe he was traveling to LSU. I don't expect him to play. No, um, no
2: I don't think. Uh, I think Bruce said yesterday he was traveling, but he has yet to practice. I don't got expect you. him okay. to play. Okay, I don't either. Um I think his presence on the bench might be it might. significant yeah. in a game like this. Absolutely. Just from the leadership he provides uh and and I think that I'm looking forward to seeing him out there and my goal if I am Auburn is to get him back for A&M. Get him back for a and I think yeah. that's a realistic goal because you're going to need him and that A&M team right now it's I don't like I keep wanting to not believe that they're that good but they're just beating everybody. Yeah, and they just they are. killed, uh, was it South Carolina at their place? And they killed Missouri last week, I think. Right, well.
1: exactly. So, again, Chris Moore, well, I don't think he plays tonight. I don't know if there's been an official release. I don't think he plays. But despite that, Auburn's got to find an offensive rhythm somehow because this past Saturday against Mississippi State, Auburn's offense was terrible. Janai Broom didn't do anything that he normally does. If Jalen Williams doesn't shoot the game of his life, you lose that basketball game. So you're on the road. You've got to feed your best player. The guards have to take care of the basketball. Mr. ATM cannot show up tonight. If
2: that happens, Auburn will lose on the road at LSU. Do you want to know what the magic number is in this game?
1: For points for Auburn's points? Yes. Auburn's got to score, I'm going with 76.
2: The actual magic number if you look at it is 73 okay because LSU has scored 70 more than 72 points one time since November sheesh
1: that's and not that's good. against
2: some bad teams too like UT Arlington they got a 63-59 victory that's a UT Arlington team that is currently 273 in the Kimpom uh, East Tennessee State 72. 72- 68 at East Tennessee State, sitting at 258 in the or uh, 258 in the Kemp bomb. Like they scored 89 against Winthrop. That that's a common opponent, right? Auburn yeah. played them as well. Um, yeah, I think that, that this Auburn team, I believe, as long in conference play, LSU hasn't scored above 71. If they can get to 73, Auburn wins this game because LSU's offense is not very
1: good. I think Auburn will play well defensively. Now, LSU, you talked about it. They have some size. They may go. They may just go big and feed the paint tonight and get all their points from the paint and the free throw line like Mississippi State did. If they do that, Auburn better have a plan because the game plan is now out on how to beat Auburn. Yeah. When we come back, we'll talk to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, about everything going on in Tuscaloosa. Then to end the show, we'll give our final picks for Auburn and LSU.
0: On the Line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, he's usually our Monday guest, but we were not here, so he was able to adjust and come on today. It is Joey Blackwell who writes for Bama Central. Joey, we appreciate you adjusting and coming on today. Hope all is well, and we will uh, jump right into it. And to start out, obviously the uh, the big storyline coming out of Tuscaloosa over the last couple of, uh, of days, has been the the just the the obvious news of the Alabama basketball program having a player arrested and charged uh what 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 can you tell us that you've learned over the last few hours few days about this situation
3: yeah you know it's uh obviously quite a shock on Sunday afternoon when you know the video came out of miles being arrested um, and then charged obviously for the for capital murder and um you know, since then we've learned some new details. You know, by reviewing the court documents, um, we know that um, while Miles provided the gun, um, we do know that he wasn't the one that ultimately fired the shots that killed a 23-year-old woman and uh, Jimmy Janae Harris. And you know, obviously, it's a tragedy. She was a mother. She leaves behind a five-year-old son. And you never wish that upon anybody. You know, you never wish that upon her family. Or it's just such a tragic situation. And um, you know, I think what I've learned the most. For me personally, is I think a lot of people, including myself, have learned about you know the Alabama basketball team and its resiliency. You know, Nate Oates didn't have to have a press conference on Monday. We actually we assumed that he was going to have he was going to have it canceled, um, but he held it anyways and you know answered all questions that he could. And um, you know, if, if anybody watched the Alabama. Vanderbilt game last night. You know, he fielded questions about that situation after the game, even while he was still on the court and, you know, handled it with grace. And um, I think he's shown to be a a good leader. You know, this is a situation that, um, you know, you can't, you can never be prepared for as a head coach. It's an unforeseen circumstance that you never want to see happen, but you never even think it's going to happen. And then, um, suddenly, it does. So I think this basketball program has handled it very well. Um, I think there is still going to be you know there's a long road to, you know, getting over the grieving process and um, moving on. But um, that being said, you know, this team, uh, even though they beat lSU you know pretty handily on Saturday, and you know the game last night kind of felt like a bounce back win, even though it wasn't technically a bounce back win, but it felt like it just because of all the team had to overcome.
2: Joey, with the way that uh, Nate Oates has had to, I guess, navigate these uh, turbulent waters. What does that say about, really, about the, his leadership and how he's able to keep this team together in such a difficult time for this program?
3: Yeah, you know, I think he's talked about that a lot. You know, yesterday he talked about how, you know, he's using Bible verses. He, he specified specifically um, Romans 8.28 and how um, they had a team meeting on Sunday afternoon, um, and the players, you know, said that they didn't want to practice, so they didn't hold practice that day. Um, but they did hold a practice on Monday and throughout that, you know, OSA said that there were there were a lot of hugs, you know, there's been a lot of a lot of crying and he said last night before the game that the team was locked in, um, but after the game, you know, he said that he saw a lot of, you know, what looked like bottled up grief stuff you know, finally start coming out from his players and I think this whole situation is a huge testament to his leadership. Um I I think he's done a a solid job of um, answering the questions that he can to the media because he has to, but at the same time also being there for his players. Um, Obviously, you know, uh, kicking Miles off the basketball team the same day was obviously the the right call there, Um, no hesitancy there. And he's done all of this while wishing nothing but support for the victim and and her family and, um, you know, while at the same time, you know, not – you know he he hasn't he hasn't gotten out of hand at all and he's been really calm and mellow throughout the whole thing and i think it's a huge testament to the strong leadership that he brings with him to the program
1: speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central usually joins us on mondays but is on the wednesday edition of on the line i'm sure you saw or heard i guess the uh comments from Jerry Stackhouse head coach of Vanderbilt basketball mm-hmm. about just how surprised and shocked that he was that Joey Alabama even showed up yesterday and played last night, and he said he was almost a a demotivator to his own team because just talking about how grateful they should be to have the opportunity to play college basketball.
3: Yeah, you know, Jerry Stackhouse has, has always been an absolute class act, and I I really enjoyed hearing what he had to say last night. You know, I think the the most powerful moment of that press conference was when he said, you know, it's, at the end of the day, it's his basketball. You know, it's it's a game. It does it doesn't matter and when he said that he crumpled up you know his stat sheet and you know kind of symbolizing that it, it's all meaningless you know at the end of the day these are these are i don't I don't want to call them kids I want to call them these are young men who are still you know working their way through life and the same with the coaches these are human beings you know and they have their own struggles and triumphs just like anybody else and for them to get out there on that basketball court and and you know and handle you know take care of business you know i I, I believe. It shows the strength and resiliency of this team, and also credit to Stackhouse for what he said. Um, he's always been one of my favorite coaches and will continue to be. But at the same time, you know, we have to think, you know, getting out of town for this team might be the best thing for them right now. Being able to kind of put Tusk loose behind them for a little bit, which the schedule works out for them in that regard. You know, last night they played in Nashville, and then this weekend they traveled to Missouri. So, it's probably going to do the team a little bit of good to, you know, get out of town and and to separate themselves from the situation. So, um, but yeah, kudos to Jerry Stackhouse. I, I thought that was a that was a classy move on his part.
2: Joey, with the game itself last night, you saw an Alabama team jump out to a decent lead, and uh, a Vanderbilt team that they've had trouble with at times. I guess the past year or so, kind mm-hmm. of just. Clawed its way back into the game and made it interesting. And Nate Oates acknowledged that in his post game press conference. What did you see out of the Alabama team and their ability to to kind of keep Vanderbilt at arm's length and pull off a road victory?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I think um, you know they had, they jumped out to that twenty three point lead, and then of course Vanderbilt, I believe they cut it. I think they cut it down to six in those final minutes. There, before Vanderbilt was able to pull back out. Um, I think it shows the determination of this team, which is something that you know I've talked about before that this team has been missing the past several years. Um, in previous years under under Oates, um, and I'm not saying it's Oates' fault. I think it's more of the the player, the players that they had. In previous years, you had a bunch of guys that once they got out to a comfortable lead, they would let their foot off the gas and they would allow player uh, other teams to catch back up, and that was the that that was the, to to the detriment multiple times. Several losses came um, came because of that, um, and now we're not seeing that as much. I think last last night was probably the first time we've really seen that them get a big lead and then and then pull up. Um, but that being said, you know, given the circumstances, these players had a lot on their minds that wasn't on the basketball court last night. But I think, you know, so far we've seen them do really well. You know, same at Arkansas. They were able to jump out and stay ahead. LSU, of course, ended up winning by 40. They, you know, they jumped out way ahead and didn't let their foot off. So I think it just shows the resiliency of this team and, and, and the mentality of this team. And if they can keep it up, you know, they're looking like they're one of the most dangerous teams in the conference right now.
1: Joey, we saw Brandon Miller who has been one of the most exciting freshmen in all of college basketball goes for another 30 piece last night. What makes him so good and why has he been so dominant throughout this season?
3: You know, I think um first off it is his maturity. I think it's his approach to the game. Um he's he's here to have a good time, but he's also here to, you know, to play well and to improve his NBA draft stock and we, we've absolutely seen that so far. Um, As far as on the court, you know, his shooting has just been lights out um, these past few games, really pretty much the whole season, but particularly the past couple of games, it's really gone off. Um, I think it's his effort on the court. You know, he he racks up, as Nato would say, you know, he racks up a lot of blue-collar points. Even when he's scoring 30 points, he's still on the defensive end of the court, you know, bringing in rebounds, which he got 10 against Vanderbilt last night. Um, He's still diving for loose balls, you know, putting his body on the line to to make – Plays on both ends, so I, I think it shows just what kind of a special player he is. Um, I, 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 he has a coach also in Nato's that will really, you know, gives him the green light no matter what, and he's been able to create separation on the perimeter. We saw that several times last night, and you know, it seems as if when he gets the ball and he's beyond the arc, if there's not a player within four, four feet of him, he's making that three point shot. So um, he's just been very, very impressive, and he's only seemingly gotten better. And better as the season going on and we still have a good bit to go here
2: Joey Alabama is 6-0 and in conference play I believe for the seventh time in program history this team has uh, at least a game lead in the SEC they've got a road trip coming up at Missouri this team seems to control its own destiny what needs to happen for Alabama to wrap up an SEC regular season championship this year
3: Oh, I, I think you know. First and foremost, there's a speed bump that happened this past weekend. You know, I, I'm I believe the team has to you know, not 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 to be not to sound harsh or anything, but I think they need to put it behind them. Um, they need to come together as a team, and we kind of saw that last night. But they need, but coming together for one game is very different than coming together for a string of games after a tragedy. And I think they need to do that. I think this game against Missouri this weekend will be very telling. You know, NATO still hasn't won. Single game at Missouri since since coming to Alabama, so I think that'll be very telling on where this team has, you know, has you know wh- where this team has grown. Grown. Um, they have a tough game against Oklahoma in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. Um, they also still have to play Tennessee on the road, and they have two games against Auburn left on the schedule. So they also have a game um, uh, hosting Arkansas and a game against Texas A&M, who's looking like a really good team right now. So this this the season is far from over, and they still have a tough you know, remaining schedule. But I think these next couple of weeks here, particularly this weekend's game and the game against Oklahoma, I think that's really going to show where this team is at. And if they can maintain what they've got going on right now, um, that regular season championships looking like a high likelihood right now
1: speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central he joins us every week on the show usually on Mondays but having him here on Wednesday instead to sort of look at football for just a second before we let you go obviously the short transfer portal window uh, has been open it's about to be closed what what can you tell us about what Alabama has done or lost in the transfer portal and what's to come throughout the spring
3: yeah, you know, they, they didn't make one pick up but mostly, you know, the most recent news is Des Moines Kennedy, um, who's an interior linebacker just moved to the portal and that was to be expected once Pete Golding left the left the program to go be the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. You know, it was expected that Kennedy was going to head off with him, um, if that's the case and that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Um I I think, you know, we have Alabama hasn't had um many additions that we're used to seeing, but you know, there's still gonna be the, the period after And and, you know that that they'll be able to take advantage of. Um, The most interesting thing for me right now for Alabama is not the transfer portal. It's more so the the coaching situation with Pete Golding leaving. We haven't had Bill O'Brien be renewed for his contract yet. You know, there's still a lot of names being thrown out there for both defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator should O'Brien leave. So there's a lot going on with football. Just because the season's not over, doesn't mean the news stops, and I haven't let off her foot on that gas pedal just yet.
2: Joey, uh, with Texas having an opening at the basketball head coach position right now, there's a couple coaches in this state with Bruce Pearl and Nate <laughs> Oates that are have had a lot of success that I'm sure are going to be mentioned. Is there any worry in Tuscaloosa that Nate Oates could be the next coach at uh, Texas?
3: You know, I think there's a little bit of concern. Um, I think I'd be lying if I didn't say there was. Um but I think, as of right now, I think Nate Nate is really attached to finishing out this season right now with this team. Um, I think, you know, especially after what happened this, this past weekend, I think he wants to stick it out. So even if he does leave, I don't see him leaving until after the season is over and done. Uh, that being said, you know, Texas is a is a is a, obviously a, a great institution. Um, we even saw with their football program, Steve Sarkisian, heading over there a couple of years ago. So. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see you know Oates if he were to leave to go to a great school with a great historic program like that. But I think Oates and you know his wife Crystal, and their three daughters, I think they love Tuscaloosa. So we've heard them say that many times, and I think they feel like it's their home and kind of like how you know year in and year out, it seems like there's always some rumors of Nick Sabin you know heading off um somewhere else and um, you know, at the end of the day this is where they've made their home. I'm not saying Oates will never leave, um, but I don't think it's going to be an option in the foreseeable future. Now, that being said, um, I think Greg Bird needs to do everything in his power to make sure that he's comfortable here. You know, I think the first step would be to give him a really nice um, contract after the season's over as well as potentially start building that new arena that fans were promised. So I think if those two things can be done, then we're going to keep Oates and Tuscaloosa for a good bit longer here.
1: Well, there's no doubt, uh, Joey, that Nate Oates has become one of the hottest coaches in college basketball. He's got Alabama as a top four team in the entire country coming off of wins against LSU and Vanderbilt. They take on Missouri and Mississippi State coming up. Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, again, he joins us every week on the show, usually on Mondays. Joined us on Wednesday today. Man, we appreciate you adjusting and joining us and uh, having some uh, some really uh, tough conversations. So we appreciate that, man. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing.
3: Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports and they can find all of my writings as well as all my. Other wonderful co-writers. You can find all of our stuff at bamacentral.com, where the Sports Illustrated and Van Nation um, local affiliate for covering everything Alabama Crimson Tide. So um, thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Yep, it's good to hear from you, Joey. We'll talk to you next week. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he normally joins us on Mondays at 2:30, uh, but uh, we did not have a show on Monday, so he was able to adjust. And again, we appreciate him coming on and unfortunately uh, having to talk about some some tough issues. But Alabama basketball, uh, they they have a big win on Saturday against LSU and then they have a solid win on the road last night at Vanderbilt we'll take our final break come back we'll give our final thoughts and picks for Auburn on the road at LSU tonight we'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of on the line on the other side
0: you are on the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app
1: Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird, with you on ESPN 106.7. Big thank you again to Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, joining us in the last segment talking all things Alabama athletics, Uh, touching on football, talking Alabama basketball. Of course, they're one of the best teams in the nation and then the uh, uh, the tragedy that happened in Tuscaloosa over the weekend. So uh, it's been a tougher discussion day because we talked with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about Georgia as well. They had a tragedy of their own. Uh, unfortunately, it's not been it's not been a great couple of days around the Southeastern Conference, but we do really appreciate both of them joining the show and talking about some tough subjects and some other storylines outside of those as well. So if you missed any of today's show, uh, been a lot of college basketball talk. Again, we talked with Jordan Hill of dogs 247 and then just got off the phone with joey blackwell of bama central so if you missed any of it be sure to go and find the podcast you can find it at espnau.com click on the podcast center it'll be commercial free right there right after the show or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast and uh if you haven't gotten enough of us you can hang around because uh it's going to be Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on the drive because Bill Cameron and Dan Peck both out of town uh, for the remainder of the week. So today it's going to be me and Carter. So you can hang around and we've got another two hours coming up in just a few minutes. But uh, Carter, for our loyal listeners, we'll finish up talking about Auburn and LSU. Auburn, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in Baton Rouge tonight. Who wins and why?
2: Uh, I think Auburn gets it done. I think that this LSU team is trending in the wrong direction. Their last time out, they got... um, blown out by Alabama, and then you ha- they welcome an Auburn team that I think needs to play a good game and probably feels the pressure of that on the road. Having having suffered the road loss to Georgia might be a blessing in disguise for Auburn because I think they won't take anybody lightly on the road the rest of the year. And I think that they go into uh, the Maravich Assembly cimber- Center and uh, get a big win.
1: Yeah, uh, again, I talked about this a little bit earlier. I think tonight is more about Auburn than anything else. Um, LSU, they're solid, and they've got some talent. I just don't think they've got what it takes to hang in the SEC this year. Um, It's about Auburn tonight. It's about Auburn defending in the paint where they uh, they just got – beat really against Mississippi State in the paint where they scored all of their points was either in the paint or from the free throw line so I look to see if Auburn can make some adjustments defending in the paint because that blueprint is out on Auburn defensively and then on the offensive end Auburn's got to figure out how to get back in their offensive rhythm before they played the Mississippi State game they were starting to figure it out a little bit they know who their go-to player is Chennai Broom he has to have a big night he's going I think to it's be a better
2: matchup for him I think Tolu was probably a little too big and too physical for him I think that the record shows that Uh, Janai should have a better night tonight.
1: He should, and he needs to because Auburn's going to have to find a way to score. You can't turn the ball over. That goes for all of the guards on Auburn's team. Wendell Green, Katie Johnson, Allen Flanagan, uh, Trey Donaldson, whoever's playing guard... They cannot turn the ball over tonight. Janai can't turn it over tonight. He had some turnovers in the last game. So it's all about Auburn. If they play well, play their game, they should have no problem beating LSU. I think they win. I think they'll cover. Um, I think the magic number is around 76. You said 73. So I, I think, think if, Auburn If Auburn wins.
2: scores 73, Auburn wins the game.
1: I'm with you. I think Auburn can win as long as they play their game. It's about Auburn getting a big win on the road before you go again on the road on Saturday at South Carolina. But Auburn wins 72-66. 72-66. I'm going to take 76-64. Auburn wins double digits on the road tonight. Wow. We'll see. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Stay tuned. Carter and I have the drive coming up from 4 to 6 here on ESPN 106.7. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.